Ryder Nation and William Powell bringing the energy, bringing the fight, bringing the fire every game day, every practice. Let's go, Ryder Nation. This is the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast, episode 168, 3 and oh no, you didn't, because the Riders are 3 and oh, I've been saving that all week, boys. <laughs> we, we waited all week for that. Yeah, as oh. everybody tunes out immediately, I'm yeah, sorry I was going to I was gonna say all 10 of our listeners just tuned out. <laughs> yeah, They're done. We have that many. Good for us. Look at us go. We are your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Check us out on Twitter at Piffles Pod. You can give me a follow at Real Alex D. You can find me at Safamud. And don't follow me at Greg on Sports. We didn't even introduce ourselves. Yeah, Alex, Stephen, Greg. I think I think most people have figured that out by now. Uh, I, well, I'm sorry. I'm trying to look for the Alex game right now. Do you guys know where it's at? Because I, I went from TSN 1 to the Ocho, and I can't find it at all. There's no rec loss tonight. What the hell? This is weird. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Piffles Podcast is brought to you brought to you by our great friends on Dairy at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. You'd think I'd know how to say that by now. We're also a proud member of the CFPN and Canadian Football Podcast Network and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Give us a like on Facebook as well at Piffles Pod there and the website pifflespodcast.com. Gentlemen, let's get right to it. Time for the opening kickoff. <laughs> No laughing from Greg. Oh, there's the laugh from Greg. I try holding it in. We can't start the show until that happens. That's just how that's the rules now. It's hard not to laugh. And then we see him on Zoom. The little smiles perk up. Oh, yeah. He's laughing. So bad. The Riders beating Ottawa last week before the bye week, of course, moving to 3 0. Only unbeaten team in the CFL. First time since 2012 that they're. 3 and 0. 2013. 2013. 2013. Yep. That ended up pretty good, right? That was okay, I guess. Nothing major happened that year. So, this game against Ottawa, before we, we're not going to get too deep into it because I'll be brutally honest, that game kind of sucked. It was boring. There was nothing going on until kind of midway through the third quarter. It kind of lulled me to sleep. But, bottom line, the Riders won. And that's all that matters. At the end of the year, they don't ask how, they ask how many. And this is just another one in the win column, which is great news for the Riders. I want to give props first off to the Ottawa defense. I think we all underestimated them through two games that they've played. Their defense has been pretty solid. They didn't allow a score against a touchdown anyway against Edmonton in week one. Minimal, really, considering how good the Riders offense was moving the ball against the Riders. and. Just props to them because we all figured this was going to be a blowout and, and it ended up being a lot closer than it probably should have been. Their defense is as good as their offense is bad. And that, that tells you how good their defense is. But also, do we really want to give Ottawa that much credit? We went in all week saying the Riders play to their opponent doesn't matter how good or bad they are. Like, we, we knew it was going to be a tight game against the Red Blacks because that's just the way the Riders are. What, what shocked me the most was the was their run defense. 
William Powell couldn't get anything going. Yeah, the only nothing. running threat was was Fajardo. And I want to talk about Fajardo running in just a little bit. Um, we'll talk about the offense for the Riders to start off here. Uh, obviously, com- continue to move the ball. I put the word methodically in our uh, our lineup that we have that we send to each other. Um, kind of a dink and dunk offense. Nothing, no big shots down the field. And obviously, that's missing Shaq Evans. There's no deep threat on this team at all right now. It's a lot of short passes, quick passes. And we've talked about the quick passes and the O-line and how that's kind of helped out to their advantage and making them look pretty good to start this season. And that just seems to be that that's the offense that they're going to run right now. It seems something that Cody Fajardo is very comfortable with. He's very confident in. And his first read is usually there. If not, it's he's just getting to the second read. And it's quick plays, quick plays, quick plays. It's not lighting us up down the field big plays that we're seeing that we were kind of hoping for, but it is being effective guys. And it's really telling both this offense and the short plays when Matt Nichols for Ottawa had the deepest passes in the game. And yeah, sure. One was to add Ganey, but that's beside the point. But uh, yeah, no, it's, if it's working, don't worry about it, I guess, but they definitely need to start expanding that field if they want both the running game to go and those short passes to actually do a little more damage. Before Schaefer Baker caught that 31 uh, yard pass to, to near the end of the first half there, we hadn't had a completed pass over 30 yards through three games. So I don't know what we were expecting. That's not the style of offense we're going to get under Jason Moss. It's, it's just, it's going to be March up and down the field as much as you can and, try and convert in the in the red zone that's been his style that will continue to be his style we just have to learn to learn to love it but speaking of things we can learn to love how about having four or five quality canadian receivers making a difference throughout that entire game air force 2.0 you mentioned kian schaefer baker he was getting uh, quite a bit of throws his way and was making the best out of pretty much everything there we've talked about Braden Linius the last couple of weeks as well too and uh, Mitch Picton, of course, these guys are showing up. So if the Riders can get this going like they had in the, the late 2000s and early 2010s, watch out. That's a, that's a dangerous thing to have in the CFL. And we haven't even seen McInnes yet. That's another quality Canadian receiver to add to that mix of, of talent that allows us to put a lot more quality at the, at the uh, offensive line position. You know, we're going we're gonna to run three non-imports there and, and two imports all season because we've got the depth. And plus with Jake Hardy, on even on special teams, the guy looked like he was shot out of a cannon. Like, he's flying down there on special teams trying to make those tackles. And if, if he can play well there and get time in the receiving core, like, that just doubles his value. Do you think that this was just a one-game thing where we're not taking chances down the field until uh, they can kind of figure out where their strengths are with the guys that are that are left right now because Jordan Williams Lambert got hurt in this game too so there was another threat kind of taken out of this game but is that just a one-week thing do you guys think because they were going into the bye week this gives them another week to implement you know more and more into the offense I mean like I said before that we haven't had a completed pass over 30 yards all all season it's not a one-week thing I don't think we have a a deep threat that they're looking at. I think this is going to be the style we go with. Will we take the occasional shot? Absolutely. We took a, we, we took a few last week. 
and we took a few in the, the first couple of weeks, but it's not going to be a, a predominant part of this offensive game plan. But with Labor Day coming up, the rule of thumb is Labor Day is always when the season starts. And considering Riders and Winnipeg are probably one and two in the league right now, with possibly Toronto being a close third, do you really want to open up the playbook until you get to Winnipeg, or do you want to surprise them come Labor Day? Because they, really, like, they got a really good defense too. I feel like you're you're giving the the offensive game plan too much credit. I don't I don't think they're holding out much through, especially against you know Hamilton to start the year. We had no idea what we'd see from BC. Yeah, you can take it easy a little bit against Ottawa, but that's still one and a half to two quality opponents before before Labor Day. I I don't think that they went true vanilla other than the first half or the second half, sorry, against BC when they just shut everything down. Who's the one? Hamilton hasn't looked good. BC, everyone thought they were coming in with a broken quarterback or a a rookie. You go into that Hamilton game thinking that they're still the the Grey Cup contenders that we expected them to be. I I don't think you hold much back until – late in that game because that is a team that can turn things around now are they are they a a full one right now maybe not but would you game plan for them as one absolutely now one more thing on the offense nine runs for Cody Fajardo this game and there's obviously there was a lot of talk in the Hamilton game if he was if you should have taken him out or not now he's running quite a bit is he being run too much by, by Jason Moss do you guys think especially early in the season. I'm no. glad he's just not doing that blind turn. At least we, <laughs> he's taken that as a repertoire. He must have listened to the show and heard us rant about that in 2019. But no, I, it's hard. It's hard when it comes to stuff like that. Everyone said Darian shouldn't uh, run as much as he did, but he took over games with his legs when he had the chance to run. So you need to have that dual threat to keep the defense honest because yeah, if there's no, no one out there. You just don't want him standing back there trying to find a guy for eight steamboats. And then next thing you know, he's getting clocked on the blind side. So he has to have the freedom to run when he does some of these planned runs. I don't know if they're smart, but they're definitely keep putting the defense on their heels. And you know what? Cody Fajardo himself said that he is better when he runs with the ball. That's been his style through his college career and through his time in the CFL. I, I don't think you stop him from doing that because you're putting him in a box that he doesn't belong in. He's not your typical pocket passer. He's a mobile guy. Get him out, make him run. And, and like you said, keep the, keep the defense honest. I like it. I think it's just the right amount. Anything 10 or more I think would be too much, but I think it's, it's all situational as well too. It's, it's when you do it, when the, Teams are expecting you maybe a second and long. Okay, it's a passing situation. If you can pull the defense to one side of the field and have Cody sprint out to the other, maybe that's a great play call and, and just keep them on their toes, like you said. So I don't, I don't think it's a problem yet, but I have been seeing people talk about that on social media a little bit. Um, mentioned earlier, Jordan Williams, Lamberhurt. Duke Williams, former Edmonton football team player, Elk player, I guess. Um, with the Buffalo Bills, he got cut by the Bills. Would you be making a call to him if you're Jeremy O'Day saying, hey, we might need some help up here? If you know Shaq and JWL are out for a while, you definitely kick the tires. 
but I don't know what you do when all of them are healthy at the same time. That sounds like a great problem to have. It's a, it's a great problem to have, but you also got Kyron Moore. You've got, you got a bunch of Canadian kids that have showed they can play too. So it's not really, don't get me wrong. Duke Williams is a hell of a receiver, but you're not hurting yourself by throwing one of the Canadians in there. If you're stuck. But he's exactly that type of receiver that you need that actually can stretch the field. If we don't have that, you make that call in a heartbeat. If, if O'Day looks at who we've got on the field and says, I think, I think a couple of these guys can make that happen. Maybe you don't. Well, I think with the whole charter flight ban that's going to be coming into uh, effect in October, it might be hard just in case you have to see who's actually vaccinated first. Um, the defense, though, lights out again. I know this was Ottawa's anemic offense with Matt Nichols. And truth be told, I think Ottawa made the wrong decision by going with Matt Nichols instead of Nick Arbuckle. I definitely would have gone with Arbuckle myself. Um, but can't say enough about the Riders' defense. The D-line was fantastic again. Woodard and Garrett Marino just continue to be absolute studs on that D-line. And everyone that was super concerned after Freddie Bishop got hurt and Charleston Hughes obviously went to Toronto. No issues here with the D-line in Saskatchewan. And we were saying that even after Freddie Bishop got hurt, was that they still have A.C. Leonard, who's t- now taking that next level to, I don't want to compare him to Willie Jefferson, but he's playing and they're fitting him in that Willie Jefferson mold. And he's not missing a beat at all. He's been fantastic this year. I'd argue that he's probably one of the defensive players of the year right now, him and Jonathan Woodard. And this D-line is just making it hell for the opposing quarterback. But even if you go to the next level, those linebackers don't look out out of step either. Like Micah Tights is playing above his station. I am sorry. I like the guy. I didn't think he'd be playing this well. Did he get exposed on that RJ Harris pass? Yeah. But that's what happens when you put a linebacker on RJ Harris. Yeah, you can't really fault them for that. But any other time, Micah Tights is right in there. He's crashing. He's banging. He's making tackles. Like he's playing really, really well. I'm very pleasantly surprised by how well he's playing. And you were right. The biggest worry we had coming into the season after Bishop went down was how's our D line going to look? But we have seen incredible play from from the 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 middle of that line, which has allowed guys like Leonard Woodard uh, to to make the plays that they are. All four to five guys that they run through that D line are just killing it so far this year and making it easy for the rest of the defense. But that's why Micah Johnson, despite his lack of stats is so good to have up the middle. He takes double teams. He clogs up that middle. So AC and Woodard and all those guys can come around the end. Debiere looks good. Mac Henry looks good. Garrett Marino is a stud. I'm sorry. That guy is amazing. He's going to be a star in this league. Well, again, another uh, big win for the Riders, making it three and zero on the season to start. Which, in a in a sprint season like this, as opposed to your typical marathon, obviously with only having fourteen games, that's absolutely huge. All these games at home, obviously, if you can get that leg up to start the year, even with all the games at home, just puts you in a better position when you play six of your final seven games on the road, kind of thing or whatever it is, six of eight. So it puts the Riders in a great position heading into Labor Day, and uh, that game. And next week is going to be off the hook. That's going to be a fantastic game as it usually tends to be 
Um, not the one we'll remember here in just a little bit. Um, but that's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Feston of Royal Page Regina Realty. Let's get to our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Normally here we take a look at the other games from last week, but uh, let's just get right to the Elks outbreak. We're supposed to be watching Thursday night football right now as we record this. And of course, Edmonton and Toronto, that game was postponed. Hoping to sometime see that game later in the season, week 10, week 11, who knows? There's going to be so many domino effect changes to the schedule just from postponing one game. And we saw this in the NFL last year with Baltimore, Tennessee, and Pittsburgh. That whole, their whole two weeks just got flipped upside down and it was a gong show. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. 14 Elks have tested positive now. And my first question to you guys, they were saying if teams can't play and if we can't reschedule this game, there might be a forfeit. Should Edmonton have to forfeit this game to Toronto? They almost have more COVID uh, positive players than there are games this season. <laughs> they literally have a guy with COVID for every game they're supposed to play. So, yeah, probably. There's obviously an issue there. I would say it's a culture fit, but what do I know? <laughs> like, I don't know what the league's going to do about this. Because they are in very serious problems of probably not playing Labor Day next week, which is like the biggest game on the calendar for that rival, like obviously for that rivalry, for the entire league. Labor Day weekend is it. And if you are missing the Stamps and, uh, and Elks, like, whew, I don't know what you're going to do. I think that the problem that the league and the Elks have right now is the is the way that the rule was worded. It was said if you cannot field a team of at least 36 people, you have to forfeit. But they have enough people, they just have to wait out the the positive cases cuz they can't play until they've weeded out everybody that's positive. How do you in, in such a short season with no real legitimate way to play this game? How do you, A, not forfeit, and B, potentially put an Edmonton home game in its place? This is a game that's supposed to be at BMO Field, and one of the potential replacement options is having the game in Edmonton. So your team messes up, causes, has this outbreak, and gets a reward for it? No, that, should, think... that should not be an option. There has to be a, a neutral field option before you ever put it in Edmonton. No, no, I think you put it in Edmonton and then but all all profits from that game go to the uh go to the Argos. You, well, the, you, make, you 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 make the team uh financially hurt because of it. Well, what they said was uh if it it does end up in Edmonton, Edmonton would have to buy the game from Toronto. So so Toronto would financially benefit from it, but as a as a from a league and game standpoint, why should Edmonton now get eight home games when everyone else gets seven and Toronto ends up with six? That's the problem I have with it. It's not so much the financial aspect. It's the fair play aspect. Why should they benefit from being the ones that caused the problem in the first place? Here's the question I have. And I understand that Justin Dunk had to eat a plate of crow because he said Trevor Harris had COVID and apparently his sources were wrong. But God forbid, what happens if all three quarterbacks on their roster got COVID? Um, hey, Denver Broncos fan here. Um, you play with <laughs> some backup receiver, okay? That's your quarterback. Well, that's what I mean. Like, so what happened? Yeah, what happens if you lose your entire offensive line? 
Like it's like, quarterbacks. There's three of them. You lose all three. Yeah. You're playing. At least we'd have uh, uh, Nick Marshall, I guess, if uh, our three go down and whoever's on the practice roster, um, Mason fine. But I, I, there, this, I don't think the league actually planned for this. They just like, oh, we'll make, we'll, we'll make a policy and it'll never happen. Well, yeah, it happens. Players will follow the rules. Yeah, of course, because they always do. Oh, don't get me started. I had a long debate about what players do and do not do when when they're off the when they're out of the stadium today on Twitter or not today <laughs> this week on Twitter. Uh, go find it. It's a lot, it was a lot of fun. But uh, these people are human. People will do whatever they think is in their best interest, whether it's right or wrong. Look at Jagger Davis, what he did. Like he totally blew the COVID policy just because he wanted to and basically tried to ask for forgiveness. And now he's not playing. So the, they're pro athletes. They're not rocket scientists. They're going to make mistakes. So just follow the policy and forfeit this th- game and let's move on because just by pushing it down, you're like, also, what, do you, what are you going to do about, days off and keeping players safe and scheduling like there's no buffer here it's a complete mess and i'm not too terribly worried about one game being postponed i'm I'm sure they could figure out a way to make it work i know the schedule maker is you know frantically trying to figure out a way that they can do this later in the season but and greg you mentioned it labor day if they miss a second game the schedule has gone to hell. Like it, it's gone completely to crap. And I don't know if you can make that up two games for, from one team in a nine team league where not the same two teams don't have a bye week on the same week where you can schedule stuff around. Like this is going to be a mess. And if they don't get it under control, hopefully it's only the 14 positive cases that they have. And, and then these guys all isolate and, and recover and we can actually get some games going and and have them back on the field next week but if they can't play labor day you have to start making them forfeit asap because you're going to be bending over trying to get like bending over backwards just trying to make these games work and i don't think the cfl can make that happen so here's the thing though the co the COVID thing came down what on on the sunday that's they, they kind of did a nine o'clock news blast on <laughs> sunday which is a perfect time to launch that so one week would be this Sunday. Ten, if it's only 10 days, it'd be what, Wednesday? So they got what? I guess they got four days to prepare for the uh, stamps. Like, this is a mess, like an absolute mess. They're not, I, I don't see Labor Day happening. I just don't. If they can't get this figured out, like they're, or they're going to be massively shorthanded. I can't see a situation unless the positive cases continue well into early next week. I can't see a situation where it affects Labor Day. Not yet, anyways. I'm not at the point where I'm writing Labor Day off. It's obviously a possibility. But we're talking, it's Thursday right now. We got 10 days. They play on Monday, right? Yeah, it's 10 days till till the Labor Day classic in, in uh, Calgary, right? Yeah, usually. So assuming you get... No more positives today or tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday. You're you're now into Monday, Tuesday next week. That gives you plenty of time to get get practices in with the team that you've got. But if you get if you get into that, you know, Monday, Tuesday where you're still getting positives day after day, then they're screwed. 
that's when you start counting down the the days going can they practice will they have time is it safe because let's be real is it safe at this point to play that game with the with the incubation period of covid who knows but i think we're we're prematurely uh putting a headstone on the labor day classic alberta had their second day in a row of over a thousand cases of covid like it is a friggin' tire fire there again so i think i saw someone called the stampede variant today which made me laugh my ass off <laughs> well i i mean i'm personally sick of talking about covid i'm i'd like to say that i'm over it but it, it's it's it is the biggest story obviously in the world and obviously here in the cfl how it's affecting games and that brings us to our next point here in the churchill brewing company odds and end zones only edmonton and the riders do not have a plan now for vaccinated fans every other the, we knew that winnipeg brought this in to start the season only double vax fans can attend bomber games that's what they went with the it wasn't the bombers themselves, it was the Manitoba government, so they kind of had that shield to go off of. Every other team now in the last week or so has put in some sort of regulations about you either have to test negative in the last 72 hours or have a rapid rapid test, come back negative, or you have to have vaccination. Edmonton and Saskatchewan are the only two teams that don't have something put in place. So... When you look around, not just the CFL, NHL teams are putting this. Six of the seven Canadian NHL teams have plans. Ottawa doesn't, but I'm sure there's is coming shortly anyway. It's got to be coming here, right? Like, it's just that's the world that we're living in. That's what's that's what it's going to be. You're gonna have to be vaccinated to go to concerts. You're gonna be have to be vaccinated to go to to hockey games. That's just what it is, right? Like, it's it's coming here eventually, right? I don't understand what the pushback on it is anymore. I don't get it. Like we're also coming to a situation where real that runs both mosaic and Evraz and the brand center is going to be put into a situation where like live nation has, who runs a bunch of concerts has said, we are not going, we are not going anywhere where you do not have a vaccine mandate. So if, if real likes giving up burning money, go, I guess they can start ignoring it. But at this point in time, just pull the trigger. Like, I don't understand the point of the vocal minority who's fighting it. Like, the, the majority of people that are fighting this mandate are the conspiracy theory wingnuts who are, who are trying to push all these different freedoms and charter of rights and the Nuremberg Code and... The, like it's just I read a post on one of the Facebook groups that and she, this this woman hit every single one of those anti-vax um, talking points right up gonna, to right up to Adolf. And were you, were you and, playing conspiracy bingo? Yeah, I, I basically I got a bingo in three seconds. It was great. And I even <laughs> I even said, congratulations, you hit every single one of these talking points. I'm actually kind of impressed because it was one message. And while you're not wrong to peel back the curtain i'm not going to say where i work but a bunch of the guys that work for me i guess um we our company we work all over the country and of course we send guys out of town all the time and that includes putting them on flights 
And of course, with the mandates, with the flying, even privately, you need to be double vaxxed. It shocked me when I said, how many, like, I've got a job possibly in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I need people to fly. Nova Scotia is, is a province that's basically under lockdown. They even say, if you are not double vaxxed, you're not allowed in that province. I asked how many guys I could send. Out of the, I want to say three dozen guys that I have that work underneath me, I got four hands. That's it. And I asked a few guys why. And yes, you've got a few of the conspiracy theories. Like you got a few religious guys um, say, says it's against their religion. But you also have these young kids in their 20s that still believe I am young enough and strong enough. It won't kill me. And I'm like, dude, like, like, do you not watch the news or read anything? And they don't. They get their you know, any information they need off of their social media or whatever. And that's fine, but at least they're not gone the full crazy, but they seem to think because they're young and healthy, they'll never get sick. And it's like, there's a lot of those out there. Look at the nine cases that came out of pill country. I guarantee you those weren't anti-vax wingnuts. Maybe a few of them were, but it's probably a young kid who's just young and dumb. Like we all were, <laughs> except we didn't do it in pandemic. Imagine that going through the university section. Oh, <laughs> body surfing and everything. Yeah. I'd be down for the count. <laughs> but it doesn't matter if it's now or back then. Ballsy still sucks. So that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that kind of brings me to what I want to call. It's not the rant of the week. It's more of a PSA this week. And it's Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's time to be a leader. You kind Can of we lost boo you like you're Matt Nichols. What? Can we boo you doing a PSA like Winnipeg booed Matt Nichols? <laughs> uh, yeah i am at home so i guess that yeah it would work. work yeah yeah but you guys had a chance to be a leader you decided not to do it which hey that's fine that was the government has no restrictions you're following that guideline of having no restrictions that's fine i get it you're trying to pass the buck and the government's trying to pass the buck too everybody's doing that i understand that i don't agree with it necessarily but i get it but by not dividing the fans, because that's what this was about, was not dividing the fans and saying, yes, if you're unvaccinated, you can show up. Yes, if you're vaxxed, you can show up. We want everybody there. Let's just have a great football season. By not dividing the fans, they've created a divide. And we're seeing this everywhere. Yeah. And there's a divide. And you're seeing people that are loyal season ticket holders not going to games anymore because this is not put in place. And we're like we're seeing this. In every CFL city, we're seeing it here in Saskatchewan. Look at the crowds the last couple of games. Okay, yeah, it's the summer and Saturday night games. You're probably going to go out to the lake. I get that. Three games in a row, that's that's tough. Like, especially in Saskatchewan summers, all in August here. Like, I get that. That's tough. Three games in a row. But you guys had a chance to, to do something here, like Winnipeg. Yeah, are their ticket sales suffering? Sure, a little bit. But... They're not having breakouts there and we're seeing no issues. But, but riders, you had a chance. You can still get this right. You still have time. Obviously, you can't do it in, in time for Labor Day because it's already sold out. And how do you tell somebody that bought tickets? Oh, by the way, we're canceling your tickets. Here's your refund. That's just a bad PR backlash. I get that. But there's still time to do that. Like everybody else, the Calgary Stampeders are doing it for September 15th. And we're seeing that in Ontario as well. You still have time, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, to get this done 
in time for the final three home games. So just it, it's coming. If you announce it yourself, it sounds better than if the CFL mandates it or if the province does it. You guys look better for doing it, even if you don't want to do it. Just, just do it already. Because everybody's saying, well, you're taking away my rights and freedoms. It's not a right to go to a football game. It's a privilege. And every action you have has consequences. If you want to get the vaccine, well, guess what your consequence is? You can go to a football game or a concert. If you don't get the vaccine, which is perfectly fine, then, hey, your consequence, you don't get to go to these things. That's the way it is. So make your choice. And Saskatchewan Rough Riders, please make your choice. But you guys need to do it and not have somebody else dictate it to you. I think at this point, we're we're almost too late for them to do it in time for the game on September 17th. I think what you want to see is you want to, you want the team to have or fans to have that three week period where they can get their two, both of their vaccines if they haven't already. So right now, if they did it today, they're on that cusp where somebody could get both of them in time for the 17th. My guess is we're going to hear something sometime in the two weeks that follow Labor Day that starting for the mid-October game, that's when it will become required. Because there's there's so much time now between that September 17th game and the game in October where we can just they can just take time to get it done. Right now, with so many games at the beginning, it's it's hard to to mandate it and get it in in place and give fans enough time to get their get their stabbies done. I got something I want to say, but I don't want to go down that conspiracy rabbit hole too far. (laughs) You guys already know what I think privately, so it's fine. So we'll uh, we'll leave that there. I'm sure we'll hear something in the next week or so about uh, what's going to happen here in Saskatchewan. So obviously we'll follow that. And Edmonton, especially with the breakout on the team, I don't know what's taken them so long to – and it's kind of funny somebody else pointed out earlier that, oh, it's kind of ironic that it's the two community-owned teams – that are the ones that are not making rules and all the publicly or the privately owned teams, they're the ones making decisions. So it's kind of funny, but anyway, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit more football here. Let's get to our Piffles memories right now. And uh, one game, tell us what you remember as we're heading into Labor Day next weekend. The next game up on our list is Labor Day 2012. Before we even kind of get into it, Greg, you kind of have the look on your face like you're trying to remember what I happened. I remember that one. Labor Day. So, do you? Oh, you, you clearly yeah, don't that, remember. That, that was the blowout, wasn't it? 52 to nothing. Saskatchewan just crushed the Bombers. So, I'll let you guys go. What do you guys remember about that game? Honestly, my best memory about that game is not even that game. It's the 2013 Grey Cup when I was standing in line waiting to go in the game and me and this bomber fan are busting each other's balls. And he goes, I can't remember what we even said, but then also he's like, Hey, I just want to score one point this game. Just give me a rouge. But I don't think I've ever seen a more convincing rider win, obviously, because that thing was an absolute drubbing. Literally every aspect of that team showed up that day to, I mean, you don't, you don't win 52 to nothing without all three parts of your team absolutely dominating if i remember correctly there was a punt uh, punt block touchdown there was a pick six there was god knows how many offensive touchdowns like it was just it was firepower from start to finish 
And I remember the only thing I remember vividly from that game is watching it at home. I have been to every Labor Day since 2006, except the 2012 Labor Day. And I can't remember why I had to miss, but me and the guy, one of the guys I had season tickets with ended up just watching the game at home. And as soon as that, that game started and we were up, up big right away, we both looked at each other like, do we go back for another game? Because if this is what they're <laughs> going to do when we're gone, maybe we hand in our tickets because this is awesome. But also it sucked to be watching it on my couch. That was, I was supposed to get season tickets that year, but I missed, I missed the marks. I didn't get my season tickets till 2013, but I actually, I know I wasn't there either. I know I watched it at a buddy's house. We rented a hot tub and we deep fried a bunch of food and it was fun. A big party in the guy's backyard. I remember once they got to, uh, once they got to 40 points, we're like, we got to get to 50, got to get to 50. And of course they get to 50 towards the end of the game. Oh, we got to stick around. We're not leaving early. We've got to get to 60, just another touchdown. Come on, let's get it. But <laughs> I'll remember that it wasn't really like the offense didn't really light it up. Like, Darian Durant threw for 168 yards. Drew Willie came in, threw for 98. Like, they didn't throw for a lot of yards. Corey Sheets had 100 yards rushing, but he didn't even have a touchdown. So it was, like, a really deceptive 52-0, at least when you look at the stats. But, uh, obviously, like you mentioned, that block punt, there was a pick six as well. Um, I'll just remember going into that game. So the Riders started that season 3-0. Things were looking great, especially after 2011, where – Greg Marshall set this team back quite a bit. Um, we didn't play in 2011. 2011 didn't exist. I, I thought, yeah. wasn't the league canceled for a pandemic that year too? Yeah, we, we saw the last of Greg Marshall. Um, yeah. So they started out 3-0. Then they lost five straight games. So they were 3-5 and five going into Labor. They were like, oh God, here we go again. And sure enough, boom, 52 nothing. So that was kind of funny in its own right. But looking back on it, you look at the quarterbacks of that game. Do you guys remember who Winnipeg had playing as quarterbacks in that oh, game? Here. Oh, no. Oh, God. The tie guy was the year after 2013. I that was remember. Justin Goltz. Yeah, yep. that, was, that was the year after. Because um, I'll never forget Tim scoring that touchdown to the stupid tie Labor Day. I'm like, go, go. <laughs> Great uh, celebration, by the way. It is. I don't get me wrong. For celebrating, if he was a rider, I would have loved it. But it was just annoying as a bomber. I, I, I can't even remember who they had in that gong show over here. Their starting quarterback was Joey Elliott. He oh, went yeah. nine, of, 9 of 19 for 61 yards. Oh. And not to be outdone, their backup, Alex Brink, 5 of 7 for 35 yards. Oh, yes, the Brink of Defeat. I forgot about him. Oh, man. Just a garbage Winnipeg team there. I miss those days where Winnipeg sucked like that. Yeah, give him a couple years. But I just remember being in the stands and it was just a party. It was 28 nothing at the half. And of course, Labor Day is already as fun as it is. And there weren't too many Bomber fans around us, but they were, yeah, they had their flags down and they weren't, they weren't too vocal that game. But that's, uh, that's what I remember about that one. And one more thing before we go here on the Piffles podcast, we have to get to our pick them where as is tradition, we tell you who's going to lose every single game. And uh, <laughs> we, we got one. We got one, right? Didn't we? Or two? We one. got the Riders game. Yeah. yeah. We got, we went one for four again. Yep. Yeah. So we I called you, the Argos. Yeah, I just want to say, I called the Argos. We tell yeah, you what's going to happen. How does that feel to finally off. get one right? Mm-hmm. I got two right, technically. <laughs> All right. So obviously, 
does, do we count this as a win for us? The Edmonton Toronto postponed game. We didn't lose. No, no. I take uh, it. There's no losers in this game. Literally, no one had to watch it. Um, <laughs> I think we all know the uh, Arcos probably were going to win that one anyway, and they still might. What nothing by, by default. <laughs> the two sweetest words in the English language. De- default. Default. De- <laughs> Uh, so we'll start with Hamilton at Montreal on Friday night. Who do you guys got? Lelowitz. Yeah, Montreal. Who would have picked that at the beginning of the year? Yeah, going with thought, Montreal well, as well. I, I thought, no, actually, beginning of the year, I thought it would be a dogfight. But, yeah, now it's definitely going to be Montreal. <laughs> Hamilton has shown absolutely nothing to prove that they were the Hamilton of 2019 where they were 15-3. and three. They've shown nothing. They're moving on to Dane Evans as their starting quarterback, which, which is has me confused. Base. Has me confused. Jeremy's my Mazzoli told me he had, there's no reason for him not to start this game. Yeah, no, except for apparently rib injuries. But rib, I think I mean, yeah, rib injury. That's yeah. I think it's I think it's panic time in in Hamilton. They got to do something. Their old their old line's been bad for them, and this is I mean you can't change a whole old line without having that many backups there. So you change the quarterback and hope something happens, and these guys step up their game, but. In Montreal, the, the, I, I don't see it happening. The question I have to ask is, where on your ribs is your pride? <laughs> I'm thinking that's that's what's hurting the most. About here, I think. Right about here. <laughs> plus, and, plus uh, they're missing like half their roster. Yeah, because there was another seven or eight changes for their game. They're, they're in trouble. Let me go to BC at Ottawa. I think we're all in agreement on this one. Ottawa. <laughs> No? Oh, okay. You know, you know, I'm actually really tempted to pick them. But I don't think they can score a touchdown on offense. I, so, I don't I don't um, think yeah, they're like they 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 showed that a new uh, touchdown log came in this past week. I'm like, I hope they didn't buy them in bulk. <laughs> yeah, BC's gonna win this game. Yeah, BC easily. Yeah. And uh on Sunday night football, which is a rarity here in the CFL, Calgary at Winnipeg. I, I think I might pick against Winnipeg all year, just in spite, just because of spite. <laughs> I might, and I think I will. I'm taking Calgary. You know, as good as Mayer looked last week, he's going up against a much better defense this week. I I can't see a situation where Winnipeg blows two games in a row. As much as I, I want them to. <laughs> I really kind of want to pick Calgary on this just because uh, I, I think it'd be funny, but now that Winnipeg has some game film on on Mayor. I think that's going to be a, a big factor in this game. And we're not. I mean, Calgary really didn't play all that well against Montreal. They had a good third quarter, and that was pretty much about it. So they'll have to play all four quarters against Winnipeg, and I can't see that happening. Not with Winnipeg's defense. So I'm going to go with Winnipeg in this one. If Mayor is if Mayor is another decent game, how bad are the horse jokes going to be? Old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. There is some good news this week, guys. We we can only lose $15 for charity instead of the usual 20 How much are we down? Do I even want to know? I, I think we're at we're only we're only down like 35 or something like that. It's not as bad as it sounds, but I mean we're three weeks into the season, so that's less than ideal. We'll turn it around. We'll turn it around. It can't they, get much worse. They will be who we thought they were at some point. 
Well, that's going to do it for us this week here on the Piffles Podcast. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at Piffles Pod and on the on Facebook, facebook.com slash Piffles Podcast. Check out the website, pifflespodcast.com. Enjoy the bye week, everybody. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal Page Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support to make this show possible. This is Tyler Gilbert's Ghost Behind Your Mind. The ghost behind your mind.